I want to, I would love you to just close your eyes quickly and I want to read a quote from a theologian that I really, really love. His name is Octavius Winslow. And he said this, he said, so completely was Jesus bent upon saving sinners by the sacrifice of himself. He created the tree upon which he was to die and nurtured from infancy the men who were to nail him to that accursed tree. My friends, tonight, Jesus is for you. Jesus is so in love with you. It was Jesus' love that kept him on that cross for you to save to the utmost each one of us. The Bible says very clearly that he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. And this is the conquering king that we are celebrating today. Death could not hold him. Death could not hold him. Jesus is speaking to John in, in the book of Revelation chapter 1. He says this to John. He says, I am the beginning and the end. I am the one that holds the keys to death and hell. I am the resurrection and the life. My friends, if you doubt one moment and you're still looking for life and you're still wanting to live, then you will only find it in Jesus. There's nothing outside of Him that satisfies. Nothing. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present here. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us tonight. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name. Come and quicken the word like you spoke to those two men on, on the road to Emmaus. That you, that you revealed the scriptures to them, Lord. Come and reveal yourself through the word tonight, Lord. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So today we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And like I said this morning, it's, uh, for me it's an absolute privilege to preach on Resurrection Sunday. I think the two uh, amazing times in the calendar of Christianity is, is Easter and the time that we're celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection. And then also the birth of Jesus. And tonight I want to I wanna talk about the day that death died. <laughs> because, you see, you and I, we will live forevermore. In actual fact, we are immortal. Yo, whoa, Stefan, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's heavy stuff you're saying. Listen, you're all going to live forever. You might as well choose on this side of eternity where you're going to spend it. Choose this day whom you will serve. For today is the day of salvation. 
So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John. Let's read this resurrection account. John chapter 20. I'm quickly going to go through verse 1 to 10, and then we'll take it from there. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. This is like, he's a sprinter. He's fast. Peter couldn't even run and like, and he reached, and when he reached the tomb, uh, let me go back. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first and stooped to look in. He saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Listen, so if you leave your bed, young people, make up your bed, fold your clothes. Jesus did it. Okay. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand. This is very, very important. They did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So the first point I want to make for from this portion of Scripture is, if they, if the disciples already understood the Scripture, okay, then the inspection of the empty grave would have been of no need. If they understood what Jesus said, he said numerous times, I'll show you a little bit of them, a few times where Jesus in the New Testament actually said, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be raised after three days. He said it often to them. So if they understood the Scriptures, if they understood what Jesus said, there was no need to look into it. But the Bible says they didn't understand the Scriptures. And it needed to become a revelation. You see, it's, it's through the revelation, it's through the Holy Spirit revealing to us Jesus that we start seeing it. Like these two men that, that I just spoke about on their road to Emmaus. They're walking. They, they're meeting with Jesus. This is the same Jesus they saw a week ago, man. A few days ago. And they don't know that it's Jesus. I wonder sometimes if we miss Jesus in our day-to-day walk. Like the things that He wants to tell us. The things that He's sharing with us through Scripture that we miss Him. And may we receive revelation. May we receive an understanding of the Scripture. Even tonight, what they then just needed was faith in the accomplishment of the resurrection. Because it happened. That very thing Jesus spoke about. The second thing I want us to note from this portion of Scripture is 
I would love us to see is that they at least, in verse 8, at least they saw and believed. At a point, they, they looked, they saw, the tomb was empty, and now they believed. Well, you see, there's so much nonsense that went around that people wanted to spread rumors and said, well, uh, no, 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 they stole his body. No, the, the soldiers took his body because Mary Magdalene says, I don't know where he is. He's gone. But uh, literally 48 hours ago, Jesus told them that's what's going to happen. Maybe Jesus told you something three days ago and you still don't believe him today. Think about it. Maybe he says you must go to Mauritius. You still don't believe him. Maybe he says you must go to Isle of Man. You still don't believe him. I don't know. It's just interesting. And they recognized the fact of the absent body of Christ was the truth that Jesus spoke of in John chapter 2 verse 19. Let's read this quickly. John chapter 2. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. And all these oaks are going, no. <laughs> no. You know how long Solomon built on this thing, bro? David built on it. Solomon built on it. No. Jesus then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? They don't see the truth. They don't see the life that's standing in front of them, they can't see it. Jesus says, you search the scriptures, but still you don't find me. This is what he's saying to Pharisees, to men that studied theologians of the day. How many theologians are out there today that know the logos of the theologos, but they don't know the theos, they don't know the God of the logos? Now everybody's like, what did he just say? That's the two words that theologian is consisting of. It's the knowledge of God. But do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Because you can read scriptures, my friends, till the cows come home. You can read it all the day long and still not find Jesus. I want you to find Jesus tonight. Jesus will reveal himself through the scriptures. The word becoming flesh to you tonight. And then he's saying, verse 20, uh, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. This is 18 chapters later. And they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. And now... They're coming to the tomb and they're like, where is he? He's gone. Somebody stole him. The third thing I would like us to ponder on is that the personal previous declarations of Jesus, the things that he said concerning his resurrection, only became clear to all the disciples after the event happened. There's a theological thing, it's called ex eventu. After the event happened, they only realized, they only saw. After Jesus was resurrected, they're like, he wasn't lying. He was telling the truth. He was saying this, 
Let's read quickly Luke chapter 24, verse 26 and verse 44 to 46. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, everything, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms. In other words, he is saying in the Old Testament, everything that is written about me must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. May God open our minds to understand the Scriptures. Jesus said this about himself in Matthew 20, verse 19. Matthew 20, it's the last one on that list. Matthew 20, verse 19. And delivered him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. This is what Jesus said. There's multiple accounts. I can give you, I can give you four other scriptures. Just in Matthew, where he's speaking about himself and saying, I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be crucified. And I'm going to die. And after three days, I will be resurrected. And that is what we celebrate today. Matthew 28, verse 6 says, He is not here. He is risen as he said. Jesus didn't lie. Jesus said to them, I'm going to be risen. I'm going to be resurrected. And yet, they don't see it. Within those words, he is risen, is encapsulated pretty much the, the, it's the origin of Christianity. Because it's about Jesus. He is risen. It's the life of Christianity is in those words. He is risen. The persistence of Christianity. In other words, Christianity will not be stopped because Jesus is risen. The extension of Christianity. In other words, that it will continue throughout the world. Jesus says to them, go wait. Go wait for the Holy Spirit. And then you preach the gospel as the Holy Spirit comes upon you to the ends of the earth. And the extension of the gospel will continue because Jesus is risen. And then we see the power of the gospel. We see the power of Christianity is encapsulated in those three words. He is risen. John Mark Macmillan said, Christ was laid in the grave, but God did not leave him there. Death could not hold him. On Friday, a thief, on Sunday, a king, lay down in grief, but woke holding the keys to hell on that day. The firstborn of the slain, the man Jesus Christ laid death in its grave. That's it, man. Come on. Come on. That is the best news. This is better than Liverpool playing against whoever tonight. I don't care. It's better than the Springboks winning. This is better than Ireland winning because they're the best team in the world right now. I don't care. This is the best news. 
is risen. <laughs> the best news. He's not stolen away as the soldiers were told to say by the chief priests. He wasn't removed as Mary Magdalene may have first thought. He rose from the dead. He walked out by the power of his father. He walked out that grave and folded up his clothes. <laughs> it's Romans chapter 8 verse 11, if we can quickly read that. If the spirit of him, we've been quoting this scripture pretty much, the whole evening and prayer and everywhere. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through this spirit, his spirit who dwells in you. The same power that raised Jesus. Not a, not a secondary, not a B-grade spirit that you're getting. The same Holy Spirit. And that's like I've said many times, your children receive the same spirit. Not a junior Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit. Same Spirit. Matthew 28, verse 7 tells us, Go quickly. Go quickly and tell that He is risen. This is the Great Commission. This is the Great Commission. Go tell Everybody, Matthew 28, he says, go into all the world. It wasn't, it wasn't the great suggestion like a lot of people think it is. That it's only for the pastors that are full-time that need to go and tell. No, no. This is for every single one of us tonight. If you are a born-again believer, you have the privilege to tell everybody about Jesus, that he is risen. So go quickly and go tell people about Jesus that is risen, that the grave is empty. Go tell. Death no longer holds any of us. One Corinthians chapter 15. One Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But death has been defeated. Jesus overcame sin. He took your sin and my sin. Like I said on, on, uh, on Friday, as I preached on Barabbas, my sin kept Jesus on that cross. I was shouting louder for Barabbas on that day than for Jesus to be released because of my sin. Each one of us, Jesus knew that was going to happen to him. That's why he created the tree that he was going to get nailed on. He nurtured the, the people. He loved the people that even nailed him to that cross on that day. Death, where is your sting? So I want us to turn our full attention to the day that death died. I felt this morning as I was preaching, there's people that is afraid of death. Who's afraid of death? Just put up your hands. Don't be afraid. Seriously, don't be afraid. 
Who's afraid of death? Who's afraid of dying? Oh, put up your hands. Put up your hands, guys. There's a reason why I'm asking that. Who's thought of like, what if I die? What if I die now? What's going to happen? Who's had those thoughts? Hey? Because I want to pray with you tonight. I want you to know that death has got no sting. If you're a born-again believer, you can have the assurance that you will be with Jesus. He says, he says to the thief hanging next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Paul says this, he says, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Immediately, man. In the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be with Jesus. So death has got no hold on me. What's the worst that man can do to me is kill me. And Paul says, for me to live is Christ. If I live, I live Christ. But to die is gain. Much gain. So as a young man, I used to worry about death. Because what's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my friends? What's going to happen to those that I leave behind? Let me say this to you. God loves your family more than you can love them. God loves your children more than you can love them. So they're in good hands. You can go. Beam me up, Scotty. Assume the position. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. Colossians chapter 2. He disarmed. This is what he did. God, in, through Jesus Christ, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So in other words, what happened was, was this. Colossians is explaining to us. He took captivity captive and uh, he nailed all the requirements that was against us to the cross. And then he triumphed over those things, over sin. In the older days, if... Uh, a king would, a ruling king would fight against another king and he would win. He would literally strip that general or that king from his rank and parade them through the streets. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He paraded death through the streets and said, death, death has got no hold, nothing. He's a defeated foe. I defeated him. And because you're in me, you can defeat it as well. That's why. I don't have to fight death. I don't. Death is not my enemy. It's been defeated. You know what? The devil is not my enemy anymore. He's not. He's defeated. Sin is not my enemy anymore. It's defeated. You know what's your biggest enemy? Ignorance. You. You're your biggest enemy. For not knowing what Jesus did. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 calls Jesus the firstborn of the dead. Come on. That's better than Mandalorian. That's cooler than, than Luke Skywalker. I want to start a new movie, TV series, Firstborn of the Dead. It's better than The Walking Dead, man. That happened when the tombs opened up. There was a bunch of zombies walking around. Your mother-in-law knocking on the door. She's dead for 10 years. Hello, I'm back. <laughs> Thank the Lord you're not my mother-in-law. 
I'm kidding. So Corinthians, let's quickly, let's quickly wrap this up. Corinthians states a few things. That death is swallowed up in victory. Okay. Death does not have any hold or terror on our lives anymore. Jesus triumphed over it. Jesus is the victor. Jesus has won. Death is lost. Jesus won. Death zero. Okay. Who's keeping count? Death is a decided fact for each one of us. Death and taxes. Those two things, unless you are circumventing taxes. But those are the two things you can be sure of in this life. Even if you are 21 right now, taxes are coming. Just putting it out there. Pay your taxes. Death is a decided fact for us all, but it's also a defeated foe. I don't have to fear it. Jesus took the sting out of death, Corinthians tells us. We who are in Christ no longer have to fear death. Jesus tells us in, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, he says that Christ is now an anchor for our souls. In other words, when you go through, through death and it feels like the valley of the shadow of death, let me say to you, the valley of the shadow of death is just the shadow of death. It's not death itself. You know what a valley is? A valley is a good, good fruitful place. Sometimes we need to go through it. There's this beautiful verse in Hosea, and I always forget where it is. I'll find it for you guys afterwards. But he says that, that he says this to Israel. He says, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you into the desert to speak tender mercies to you. So sometimes we need to go into the desert. Like Jesus went into the desert, led by the Holy Spirit. We sometimes need to be led by the Spirit into the desert, through the valley of the, you know, I think it was uh, who won for the English against World War II. Uh, what's his name, man? Churchill. Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep on walking. <laughs> if you're feeling like you're going through hell, just keep on walking. And that's exactly what the valley of the shadow of death. Keep on walking. Carry on. Carry on. You see, one of these days is going to come a shout from the lips of Jesus. And that shout will go into the graves of those who named him Lord and Savior. We're going to hear what Lazarus heard. Come forth. Come forth. We're going to hear that. And the dead shall rise. And those that are in Christ is going to be with him forevermore. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15 to 10 to 15. Let's read that quickly. What happened? Do we have that? Revelation? Are we dead? We have it? <laughs> no. Revelation chapter 20. Not Revelation 1. Chapter 20, right at the end. Let's read this quickly. Revelation 20, verse 10 to 15, it says this. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beasts and the false prophets were. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead 
great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead and were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they would judge each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is not a scary story that you tell your children at night. This is not a new M. Night Shyamalan movie with a bad twist at the end. This is the truth. This is the truth. This is what's going to happen right at the end. Therefore, we need to implore people constantly, turn to Jesus. Because those whose name is found written in the book of life will be with Jesus forevermore. turn to Romans 6 and then Philippians and then we're done. I would love to pray with people. Romans 6 verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. If we've been united, in other words, when you get baptized, it's that thing that you say that I am saying. Like Jesus that died in the grave, I am resurrected into a newness of life. The old me is dead. Like Paul wrote in Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but now the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God and what He has done for me. I'm quoting, misquoting grossly there, but that's what it says. I've been crucified. I don't live anymore. The life I now live is a life of faith. I'm resurrected into a newness of life. And then lastly, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom will transform how lowly body, this body that is just kind of broken down every single day. To be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We are looking forward to a heavenly dwelling. We are looking forward to eternity. In other words, death has got no hold on us right now. Let's close our eyes quickly. Jesus. You took captivity. The very thing that wants to keep us captive. The thing that so quickly sin and death that wants to trip us up all the time. You took those things captive. Triumph over it. You paraded it in the streets and says, death, where is your sting? You've got no hold on my people. Once they believe and receive, you see, it is by faith. It's by faith. 
that we receive Him as our Lord and our Savior. As Eugene said, the two things, this comes from the Garden of Eden, actual fact. The two things that God asked Adam and Eve is the two things they gave away, faith and obedience. Those are the two things they gave away. They didn't obey God when God says, do not eat from the tree. And they didn't have faith when the devil came and lied to them and said, did God say? God knows that you will be like him if you eat from the tree. So the way that we come back is by faith and by obedience. So even tonight, that each one of us, it's not faith in ourselves. It's not faith in how good we are. It is faith in the completed work of Jesus on the cross. His death, His burial, His resurrection. And there is one day, soon from now, 40 days from now, we are celebrating His ascension. So Jesus said, it's better that I go so that I can go prepare a place for you. I'm sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for you, interceding for you. So this evening, if you're sitting here, you've never committed your life to Jesus. You've never surrendered. And, and the things that I just read is the truth, my friends. And I'm praying that God will open, even tonight, by faith, that you will receive the Scriptures. Because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And if you heard the Word of God tonight, and you know your, your sock in the you know in your heart that you've never committed your life to Jesus. You might have done it maybe in grade eight and maybe, you know, a few times. Or, but you know, if you had to die tonight, you don't know where you're going to go. I want to ask you tonight, right now, to be bold and say, Jesus, I need you. 